Welcome to the CRE Podcast, 100% Canadian, 100% commercial real estate. Now, here are your hosts, Aaron Cameron and Adam Pawatic. Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Podcast, powered by First National. I am Adam Pawatic, and with me is Aaron Cameron. This is the third in a series of podcasts we've done covering the real estate forums as they've been taking place through the fall here. Today, we are going to talk about the Montreal Forum. And joining us again is Peter Altabelli, VP and GM of Yardi. Welcome back, Peter. Hi, guys. I'm glad I'm back. Thanks very much for the invitation. So we're here again to talk about Montreal. Like I'll be perfectly honest, from my side, I've only done a limited amount of work in Montreal, but I can say that at a personal level, it's one of my favorite cities in the country, and I do enjoy following it at that level. What's been your exposure to the market, Peter? Yeah, you know, I go back and forth to Montreal. My last trip prior to the COVID shutdown was to Montreal. And I think I got off the plane and the next day we shut our office down and haven't been back since. So I love the city. I think it's probably one of my most favorite cities in the country. It's vibrant. It's alive. It's invigorating. Uh, lots going on in terms of real estate. Um, lots happening in terms of real estate development. And our clients are incredibly active in the city. So it brings us in and out of Montreal regularly. We're a busy company in that city. So yeah, love the place. And that is an interesting point to the forum in that it would have been a busy year at that forum, even without COVID, given that Montreal has had a couple of great years in a row in terms of improving metrics in that market. And you throw COVID in and I, I got to think that people were paying attention with pen and paper out taking notes. So Aaron, do you want to lead us off? We're going to do a top five countdown similar to the other podcasts we've done. And for anybody that is uh, interested in the other forum coverage, we have done the Canadian Department of Investment conference and the Vancouver Real Estate Forum. So we will put show link, links to those shows in the notes. But Aaron, we're going to do top five countdown. So why don't you start us off with number five? Adam's throwing to me because he doesn't know what the topics are, right? You just you need me to do it for you. Um, you know, and then before we do, and I'm, I'm excited about this topic. I mean, Montreal being one of the best cities in the country, if not the best city, but don't tell anybody from Toronto that I said that. What I find really fascinating about the Montreal commercial real estate market is that the rise, the trajectory that it's had in the last five to seven years. I mean, I think when you were in our industry, again, sort of six, five, seven years ago, it was really Toronto, Vancouver. And then all of a sudden it's become Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal. It really has risen to that layer. It is it is one of the top three cities in the country. My apologies to all the other urban centers around the country. Okay, let's do it. So number five, starting with Peter's favorite topic, prop tech. Prop tech hits warp speed as real estate has been slow to introduce significant technological changes. But the impact of coronavirus has made it a necessity. I know, Peter, you're probably the best example of probably the absorption you've seen of your technology as a microcosm of what that topic means. Yeah, I think, and you know, our company and our business has, you know, slowed down in March, but by mid-April, it was going nonstop and continues to go nonstop. We're like in overdrive constantly. And I think and we've mentioned this in a couple of other wrap-up forms that we've done with the other conferences. And I think Montreal is no different than anywhere else. The real estate industry didn't keep up over the years. PropTech was introduced. You see a lot happening in the PropTech space and the real estate technology space. And now companies are playing catch-up. And they're moving as quickly as possible to seeing what they need and how they're going to move throughout this uh, precarious time. And technology is kind of the way that's going to happen, right? And I think you're seeing that across different sectors, regardless of the area of the country. And Montreal is one of those sectors and one of those areas that did not necessarily keep up as quickly as it ought to have in technology and in the real estate market. And so now 
more and more companies are doing that and they're doing it as quickly as they can. So PropTech is going to be a big play for the next several years in the Montreal, in the greater Montreal area, throughout Quebec and throughout Canada. And you're going to see different kinds of, of technology coming in, right? Where, you know, tenant management solutions, environment, what are your environmental goals? How are you driving technology around how you're managing the environments and your spend on environmental controls throughout your properties? Real-time data is going to be another one, which is gathering data naturally and being able to aggregate that and looking at it through a series of proper KPIs. And how is that going to look and how is it going to affect your traffic, your foot traffic, your usage in your properties, regardless if it's office or retail, right? So there's lots happening with that and then more and more for real-time data, which is going to be really something I think real estate companies are going to drive through for the next, commercial real estate clients and companies are going to drive through for the next number of years, right? Is that real-time data and what it means and how they can interpret it and what's happening in their properties. So, you know, the sky's the limit on this stuff. Foot traffic is going to be such a big thing, right? Space utilization is another one, right? What are we doing with our space? What's the foot traffic in our malls like? You know, with COVID, you know, even in office buildings, how many of our tenants are coming back? How many of their employees are going to be utilizing the space? Are they going to be utilizing the space even more? Is there risk if my tenants aren't utilizing the space the way they used to utilize it? And how do I know what they're doing and they're not doing? Are they going to look at more of a footprint, less of a footprint? You know, are they, do they have plans to come back? These questions, like no one ever asked these pre-COVID. And now we're starting to see clients, our clients saying, how can we know more about our tenants and tenant usage of the space? And so I think you're going to start to see the longer this drags out, the more of those kinds of questions are going to be needed. And, and the ability to report and understand what's going on. So I think things have changed. I think PropTech is perfect for this kind of thing. And the PropTech technologies are here today that can assist real estate companies really drive smarter properties, smarter decision-making. So Peter, can I ask a very callous question then? Yes. You know, Ignoring larger health risks and all the rest of it, has COVID been good for business <laughs> for you personally? <laughs> I think anyone in technology would tell you COVID has been very good for business. I mean, yeah, you hate to say this, you really do, because you don't want to, there's a lot of people struggling right now, right? Lots of people struggling, and you don't want to say, look at us, look at us. But the reality behind technology, and especially in real estate, and even in, in many different industries, not just in real estate in terms of origin, I mean, look at online shopping. I don't think you could plan for the success of online shopping in which COVID brought to those companies, right? And so technology in real estate is, this is a game changer. It's a game changer in Canada. We've talked about it in prior sessions, and it's going to be a game changer for the next several years out in implementing effective technologies to solve your problems and allow you to work better, smarter, quicker, more innovative is what's going to, is what's going to win in the next 24 months. I've got one more question I want to get your opinion on before we move on to the next one. I know it's been said repeatedly that the acceleration in some of the major markets in Canada is not the same as secondary markets. And with mm -hmm. cities that have focused on tech incubators and really kind of buying into that as their future, you'll call it Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal, Waterloo, Ottawa, all have very significant investment into furthering their cities in that regards. With this now accelerant of value on having technology segment in your market be very, very fully developed, will that even further accelerate the separation between the cities that benefit from this and the cities that don't? Ah, you know, that's going to be an interesting thing to see play out. It's that crystal ball look, right? So how, how do you do that, Adam? How do you do that crystal ball look into the future? And, you know, I think you're going to see emerging cities. I think that the Kitchener-Waterloo area, because of the level of technology that's happening there, that city has shown to really grow over the last number of years and will continue to grow. Toronto is an enormous tech hub, an enormous tech hub. Montreal, if we bring it right back to the Montreal real estate fund, is also a tech hub for PropTech. 
a lot of initiatives have come out of that city. Sometimes they're not necessarily located in that city. They're located elsewhere, but initiatives have come out of that city as it relates to prop tech around North America. And I do think the major centers like the Vancouver, the Toronto, the Montreal cities will, and, and, and even the greater Toronto area where you can bring in Kitchener-Waterloo to that area, will start to become that next generation. And we'll grow faster, quicker, smarter than those cities that don't offer or don't have the ability to really engage with the technology, you know, and offer the infrastructure, the people, the infrastructure that the larger cities can offer companies that want to drive technology, whether it be in real estate or other levels of technology. Look at medical technology. That's another one that's really going to drive forward over the next number of years as well. It always has in the past, but I think you're going to see some acceleration in medical equipment and medical technologies as well. So those cities that can accommodate, I think they're going to do far better than those can't. You know, it's funny with COVID seems there's a reoccurring theme, you know, just whether it's conversations we've had on the podcast or just conversations I think everybody's having. There's a rapidity, there's an acceleration in a lot of different industries that are a result of COVID, which hopefully be the glass half full individual, you know, in hindsight, you know, five years from I look back and say, well, at least there are a lot of good things that came out of COVID aside from the fact that we're all in isolation and going crazy. Let's keep going. So next one, and this is not Montreal specific, but I think of no surprise that it's one of the top five. And I think we're going to probably see this arise more often. Something that's right down Adam and my alley. Interest rates are not going anywhere for a number of years, at least until 2024, according to a gentleman by the name of Spencer Levy, who's the chairman of America's research and senior economic advisor at CBRE Limited. I mean, (laughs) I've been thinking about what, contributions I have to that comment. And I think 2024 might be early for when interest rates rise, if anything. I mean, you just think about the debt being taken on globally by most, not just corporations, I'm not corporations, I mean, by most countries around the world. It's really hard to fathom interest rates going anywhere for the foreseeable future. 2024, I mean, I've heard some economists hypothesize that it's, you know, 2054, not 2024 before rates rise. I mean, Adam, I'll throw this to you. Do you have any thoughts? Take your lender hat off for a second, because I know, of course, low interest rates are great for us from a selling feature, but more from an economic perspective. What do you think? Well, I guess this is maybe the point where Peter could ask us a callous question. Is this good for business? But uh, <laughs> we'll ignore that. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of a lot of economists weigh in and the kind of conversation happening when it's not in front of a large public audience is yes, interest rates are going to be low for quite a while. But for the most part, when I've seen economists making predictions, it's been shorter term. It's like interest rates will persist through 2021. Increases after that will be slow. But this is, while in all reality, likely very accurate. 2024 does seem like it's quite far away and a long time to sit in this kind of a low interest rate environment. But there's a lot of examples globally of countries that have had uh, has similar outcomes that did sit in a very low interest environment for a decade, two decades. So very viable. Maybe maybe 2054 might be a bold statement from Aaron, but 2024, I would feel comfortable signing off on that well, prediction. Yeah, no, I'll, let me also I'll back my comment up. But I, sorry, I forget the individual's name, but he was a senior economist at BMO and he, he spoke at the Edmonton Real Estate Forum last year. And in, this was pre-COVID. And he was saying things like, it's not a five-year, three-year, it's a 30-year type of low interest rate environment. And you only have to look to our friends in Japan. It's been 20, 25 years where their interest rates have been at where they are today in Canada, or if not lower. And then there's also lots of European examples where interest rates are negative and have, have remained there. So, I mean, again, you're right. It's obviously, we've already mentioned crystal ball once in this podcast, but 
who knows, right? This is tomorrow morning we're going to wake up and interest rates have spiked 300 basis points. Like that's the kind of, you know, that's why you never hypothesize about these things. But again, my instinct, my gut is that it isn't a temporary phenomenon. All right. I think we've covered our area of expertise, interest rates. Maybe we'll move on to number three. Number three is there's huge amount of development everywhere, including infrastructure projects. A prime example of that is Cadillac Verview's major development on Point Claire. And I actually do have some details on that I want to share for anybody who is not too familiar with Montreal or that market. Cadillac Verview's got a mall on the West Island and they are they're doing as part of it a you know a major facelift to the mall, which is a small portion of the development, but the, the larger part is 5 million square feet build out, you know, an epicenter that would have its own gravity as a downtown. It's going to be office, residential towers, 5,000 units total, seniors' residence, boutique hotel, parks and retail. Also be a new light rail transit station and bus terminus. This is a, a major, as I used the word already, major gravity-shifting development in that market. And it also shows real faith that there's a bright future and in a location that is not even central to downtown Montreal, that this would be you know, greater Montreal area that we're seeing this kind of development. But of course, this is the prime example, but that market does have other examples of it. Uh, Peter, what do you think? I think it's fantastic. I really do. I mean, I think that this is showing confidence in the area. It's showing confidence in their organization. It's showing confidence in the economy and the people of that portion of Montreal. And also the, the whole concept of mixed use, you know, look at the risk. It mitigates some of the risk. You're bringing in different kinds of people. You know, you're also creating your own economy. When you can bring people into a core, get them to live in that core and mix use of that, where it's not just single asset classes, multiple asset classes, you're creating your own economy. If people live there, they'll shop there. Right. And if it's a nice place to go, people will come in. People will come in. So I think it's fantastic that they did something like this. I think this announcement was perfectly timed. It brings a lot of confidence into the industry, a lot of confidence into the era. It shows from a leading real estate organization that there is a belief that this will end. We will get through this portion. And when we come out, we are going to come out much stronger. And I think this is a good news story that organizations like Cadillac are moving forward with. And they're confident that, uh, you know, we go out a couple of years when this is behind us, that there's a fantastic future. And putting their confidence into West Island, you know, they've been there for a long time, but, you know, rebuilding and, and retooling and bringing in new initiatives like they're doing, I just think is outstanding, just outstanding on this type of development. For those, sorry, Adam, for those that aren't familiar, just, just that we're allowing people to kind of hold on to the rope, Point Claire is sort of a neighborhood immediately west of the airport of Elliott Trudeau Airport. So if you've ever flown into Montreal, you kind of land and go east to the downtown. This is kind of just quickly west to where we're talking about this development. And let me just kind of add that this is a one of those, I think, good stories where I, they clearly didn't plan on it, right? They clearly didn't start assembling the land and put this plan into development yeah, once COVID hit. But I think they're going to benefit from the reality that as COVID has an impact on people's decision-making, maybe not being downtown and not having to commute downtown is an attribute. And so having this type of massive development going on outside of the core in a growing neighborhood, I think Cadillac Fairview is probably going to find it, you know, in the long run, this is a home run for them. Yeah, I think they've done a little bit of their homework, right? I think they've looked at the demographics of the area and they suit really well for this type of development. Some of the demographics that they were talking about on the panel is, it's, you know, it's a highly educated area. There's higher incomes in that area. And it's it's also becoming well-connected. 
right, with highways and the construction of the rail in Montreal, the greater Montreal area. So I think with those coming together, the airport being there, strong highway access, the rail system going in, strong demographics of people who live in the area, that's a win-win-win, I think, for everyone. Okay, let's keep moving on to uh, to number two. This is another one that is, you know, it's, I guess it's not quite unique to Montreal. I, I think we're seeing this across the country, but clearly still a highlight of this particular real estate form. The industrial market continues to accelerate a major comeback trail over the past four years, particularly now because of COVID. You know, notwithstanding the absorption of the 4 million square feet in 2019, vacancy rates have now gone down in the Montreal industrial market to 2.6%, which is probably unhealthily low. You know, and this strong appetite for industrial sites continues to be very, very strong. And I think users of the space are, are challenged to find it. You know, one of the particular differences about the Montreal industrial market that is unique compared to the rest of the country is that they hadn't been doing a ton of development in that space over the last four or five years. So the quality of the assets and the age of the assets, I think, are a little bit older. And so therefore, if you've been following the trends in, in the industrial market across the country or across the world, probably, is that clear heights have been growing dramatically. I mean, we're now hearing 80, 100, you know, or more double layered floors, you know, it's just, it's the, the size of these industrial complexes has just been growing astronomically. Yet in Montreal, you know, 24 foot clear is kind of the norm still, right? And so that's pushing a lot of people into, into development because they want that 30, 40, 50, 80, whatever, make your number up clear height, but you can't find it in the marketplace. You got to build it, meaning you got to buy the land or find a developer that owns the land. And that's pushing land values in, in any kind of industrial employment area through the roof. So there's a real kind of restriction right now on the industrial space in Montreal. And so therefore, vacancy rates are 2.6%, which is just so, so low. What do you think, Peter? Now, I think to be an owner of industrial space in Montreal is a good thing today. And I, you know, <laughs> well said. <laughs> you're, you're in the right place at the right time. It didn't happen overnight, and getting here was not necessarily that easy. But, but when you compare, say, Montreal and Vancouver, Vancouver's what asking rates about $13 or more for industrial. Yet in Montreal, we're still between $7 and $8 a square foot. So they have huge growth opportunities, right? Huge growth opportunities to move their rents up to $10, $12 a square foot. And this is the market, right? So you've got sub 3% vacancy, 2 2.5% vacancy on the space. There's not a lot of new development right now. There's some development happening, but it's not huge in that particular part of the country. And if I'm a tenant, I'm trying to lock in. I don't think I'd be moving if I was a tenant. I'd want to stay where I am, negotiate the best lease I can, and try to hold out from a tenant's view a long storm of not enough space and higher rental rates and try to structure my business accordingly. And if I'm an owner of industrial space, you're going to want to keep your tenants there, keep them happy, and really see a great return on your investment. And I think that's what you're starting to see in Montreal. There's still a lot of ways up in terms of increasing your rents. And I think that's only a great optimistic outlook for owners of uh, industrial space. I know when we're talking to our clients of industrial real estate, they can't be happier. All of them can't be happier in that area. And great for them. It's great to see. It's great to see. I mean, it's, it's funny, Peter, you mentioned didn't happen overnight. And I can attest to that. When I started in real estate, it was in industrial brokerage here in Toronto. And, and you look at other Ontario markets, I couldn't, this is, you know, back when I when knew very little about real estate, but I couldn't understand why Toronto industrial lease rates back in 2010 were, you know, 
high threes, low fours, and had been that mm-hmm. way for a long time. And how somewhere like Ottawa could be almost double that. I just didn't get it. But I remember the senior brokers at the time saying, well, yeah, that doesn't make sense. But you look at markets like Montreal, which are sizable in a major market and an hour away from Ottawa, and you've got lease rates there that, you know, at the time were probably in the $2 range per square foot, like, you know, yeah. mid twos. And uh, just kind of just defied logic from the, you know, very blunt way I was thinking about real estate at the time. So, and that was that long ago, 10 years ago, you know, that was the reality there. I, you know, you talk to brokers in that market at the time and product just would not move. It would sit vacant for months before finding a tenant that had to include all kinds of incentives. And uh, yeah, a decade later, it's a world of difference. Yeah. And if you take a look at the tenancies now, like what are the tenants doing? What kind of tenant are you putting in those properties? You know, 70% of the industrial market is occupied by manufacturing in Montreal. Well, that other 30%, which is, you know, is more e-commerce, retail, logistics, et cetera, that's going to put a lot of pressure on that market on getting space, right? As e-commerce grows and grows significantly in our society and the way people shop and buy, you know, you got Amazon wanting to build smaller warehouses in closer to neighborhoods. So that's that last five miles, right? That last, that delivery point where they can get from big warehouses, but they want to go to small warehouses before they deliver goods to our home, that's going to put on pressure on the entire industrial space and the use of that space and what the tenants are going to be requiring that space for. And so I think that industry is going to see a change in space and a change in usage, and we'll keep the pressure up in terms of getting the vacancies down. We'll keep the rental rates up and the demand on potentially custom build or build to suit type properties, I think you're going to see are going to be becoming more and more relevant in the coming year to two years. Yeah, you know, we've been kind of talking around it, but when you talk about the you know historically low vacancies, Peter, your comments about you know it's being seventy percent manufacturing, so thirty percent is really sort of logistics fulfillment centers, which is sort of the most rapidly growing sector of or subsector, I guess, if you will, of industrial. I think we're going to see some serious pressure upwards on those rental rates in industrial. I won't try to guess what number, but I I could probably guarantee it'll be higher than sort of seven to eight bucks this time next year and probably a lot higher than that in a couple of years from now, just given what we're looking at from a sort of fundamental perspective. Okay, let's keep moving. Last but not least, drum roll please, number one, in the space of a few weeks, the COVID nineteen pandemic has changed the downtown Montreal environment and feel, turning it quite frankly into a bit of a ghost town, which is not unique to Montreal, but certainly I think this particular given the vibrancy of the Montreal core. And then, you know, because of that, or as a result of that, you know, the office sublease market is now spiking. You know, it's, I think it's a phenomenon that's probably similar to a lot of other cores around the country, but it feels like just because of the vibrancy of that downtown Montreal feel that it's probably more pronounced there. What do you think? Yeah, I, you know, Montreal, as you mentioned, was doing great before the pandemic. And I think coming out of it, it will do just as well, if not better. It's a vibrant place to go, a vibrant place to live. I love going to Montreal. Any excuse I can go, I get in. Uh, you know, we're there. Yeah, I'm I there. think Adam and, and I, Adam and I agree. Like that is favorite yeah. place in the country to be. You know? Yeah, so. it's fantastic, right? But I think they really looked at that whole live, play, work. And I want to be in the center of things. And Montreal, like New York City, is that kind of city. But when you're there, you're always in the center of things. And I can live downtown, I can work, I can walk 15 minutes to work or take real quick transit to work. And I can walk out of work and that's where I'm going to go play. I'm going to go out for dinner, there's theaters, there's whatever my plans are for that evening, I'm there. Or that weekend, I'm going to live and work and play in the same area. You know, how many times have you 
gone to Montreal for work, but then you might want to stay for that extra weekend. And, you know, there's an enormous amount to do. You walk out of your hotel in the downtown core and there's everything to do. And if you don't feel like doing the shopping or the hanging around with, with restaurants or cafes, you know, you could take a walk in and there's an enormous amount to see just with inside the core as well, without having to do the traditional type tourist things. So if you're living there, it's like you're on vacation in the evening. That's how I look at it, right? I work through the day and in the evenings I could be on a mini vacation because there's so much to do, there's so much culture. And I think, although we get hyped up about that, but that's a real draw into the city core, right? Why would I want to live there? I, there's all kinds of reasons. And that's some of the biggest ones. And I think in, when we look at real estate, if you say, let's look at retail, let's look at office space in the core. You know, we all talk about e-commerce and it's really going one place. And I would agree, e-commerce has its place and e-commerce is really moving quickly. But there's nothing like walking in a downtown area and walking in and out of shops and doing that kind of shopping. It's the experience that I think human, as human beings, we all want to have. And I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon. And Montreal really drives that and drives it well. And working in the downtown core and office space is different in Montreal than I would say is in Toronto and in Vancouver. There's a different vibe, a complete different vibe in the space. And, and I think you're going to see more and more real estate companies being very aggressive in the city and continue to occupy space, continue to lease it out, continue to add value to their space and make it attractive for people to come to work post-COVID. Well, it's worth mentioning too, of course, that Montreal did experience a previous you know, series decline in its office space use when all the, all the head corporate offices moved to Toronto, I believe that would be in the 70s, if anybody can correct me. I'm uh, you know, <laughs> happy to stand corrected. But this is not the first time they've had to deal with this. You know, They will come back. But it is, of course, an indicator we're seeing in a lot of cities with the office sublease market being so high that uh, change is afoot in all of the all the downtown cores and uh, Montreal is no different. But to further the comments that Peter made, that is one of the pillars of what makes their downtown so vibrant. The tourists or the visitors like us running around, but there's also a well-integrated workforce that's in the mix with all that it has to offer. And so if they're losing the you know that kind of pillar, it uh, will be detrimental to their downtown in, in the short term. I mean, that, that city will, will bounce back. Yeah, no question. I think 2020 and 2021 are going to be very difficult times for everyone in Montreal. And I think the downtown core is really going to suffer because of the current situation, again, that we find ourselves in. But I think once we get beyond this, I think Montreal will be one of those cities that bounce back and bounce back quickly. And the, meaning the downtown core will bounce back and bounce back quickly. And it's good to be able to, it's going to be great to be able to see that happen again. I'm very confident that that will happen in that in Montreal more than in other cities around the country. I'm embarrassed that this is a question, but is it Montrealers, Montrealites? Like what's the, what, what is the, <laughs> what do you call them? Do you know? I don't, I, I know Torontonians. I would say Montreal, Mon- Montrealers, but uh, I would not be an expert on that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, whatever. And I'm sorry, we're now offending people, but the people that live in Montreal, in my experience, from all the time I've spent there, are very social, love to be outside, love to experience. Like you said, it's always like you're on vacation every evening. And so with COVID, clearly there's a negative impact because now you've got that much more of a withdrawal from participation in the society and retail and just you know being out and about. But Peter, I'm going to second your comment. When things get back, when we're allowed to go back to the next normal, however you define it, I think they're going to be the first ones that are back into it full fold and just wanting to be out and about and, and participating and being social again, because that's really part of the, the Montreal or culture, right? So I, I think they completely. Uh, for anybody who wants to send hate mail to Aaron, it's Aaron at CREpodcast.com <laughs> if he did butcher that. <laughs> 
It was a compliment for heaven's yeah, sake. Yeah. <laughs> I love you, Montrealers. I love you. Okay, let's wrap up there. Thanks, Peter. Thanks very much for doing this. Love having this opportunity. I think we've got you know a bunch of these left. I hope people are enjoying these wrap-ups of the real estate forums. Of course, thanks to First National for powering the podcast. Thanks to the real estate forums for organizing. Thanks to Yardi for sponsoring. And of course, thanks guys for the conversation. Really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the CRE podcast. The information from this broadcast is not to be relied upon as financial investing, professional accounting, or legal advice. First National Financial LP holds Financial Services Commission of Ontario License Number 10514 and 11252.